we need you to get on this train, everything is going to be okay. Excuse me? We need you to get on this train, everything is going to be okay. I will give you a second option. You can walk off into the forest. These were options given to residents of a small, <laughs> small village in the northwest of Russia earlier this week after a, a nuclear missile explosion at a nearby Russian military base. Wait a second. You're telling me that everything's going to be okay, though, right? Yeah. Just get on the train. Don't ask questions. Everything will be fine. Can I, like, pack a bag? Uh, there's the forest that you can walk in. All right. Yeah. No. <laughs> door number two, man. <laughs> Which isn't a door because it's just the woods. So this is a real story that is ongoing. Last Thursday... Uh, in the far northwest of Russia, kind of near the Finnish border, on the White Sea, there was a, an explosion, and it spiked radiation in this town. And yesterday, the Washington Post reported that this was, these were the options given to residents of that town. Uh, my name is Sumi Chatterjee. I have a PhD in political science. I've studied international relations and international security. My name is Steve Pally. I, too, have a PhD in international relations, political science, both. Uh, and I've studied all that stuff, too. And together we are... The Elucidators! That's right. Oh, I, was, I was hoping you were going to say it at the same time. Anyway, we're here <laughs> to talk about... Uh, on a weekly basis, the news in international politics uh, and make it uh, digestible and fun. Yeah. Uh, basically, where we're coming from is we've got all this expertise, and when you read the news in your daily installments, it's often difficult to put things in a useful context. So we practiced and credentialed nerds hope to do so in a reasonably fun way. Eh, I'm a context guy. It's what yeah, I do. Absolutely. Context matters. And this very dire tale of get on the train, everything will be okay, or you can walk off into the forest, needs a good amount of context. Absolutely. All right. So something blew up in Russia. That's the start of so many wonderful stories <laughs> over the, the years and decades in uh. international relations. Uh, maybe you've seen Chernobyl, which is a really stellar um, recent HBO miniseries. I, if you haven't, I highly recommend it. Um, this is not that, apparently. Uh, this is not a nuclear reactor. Um, what, what is this? What happened? So basically on Thursday, August 9th, 2019, we're recording on Wednesday, August 14th. So six days ago, uh, there was an explosion during tests at the Minoska missile site in northwest Russia on the White Sea. Authorities in the nearby city of Severonvinsk, I'm sure that's wrong, about 30 kilometers from the test site, reported on their website at the time that there was a spike in radiation. Other Western, reputable Western sites, news sites, said that that radiation spike got up between four and 16 times their, uh, their expected amount. Residents over this time I could not make this up because I didn't know this was a thing till I read the story. Have been stocking up on iodine. Iodine used to reduce the effects of radiation exposure after the accident. Yes, which you'd know if you had watched Chernobyl. Because um, that's a minor plot point. But 
No, it's it's good to know and also horrible to know because I like living in a world and a life where I don't have to know that. Yeah, well, you do. You live in Los Angeles. We're in Sherman Oaks right now. We're not in Archangels, you know, uh, near the uh, the White Sea in the Arctic Circle, yeah. uh, which is a land of endless night or endless day. Wait, you um, said Archangels. What is Archangels? Oh, it's a it's a actually a fairly major Russian city um, in the Arctic Circle. It's it's very far north, very cold. Um, not Siberia. This is European Russia. Um, and it's apparently where they now test uh, nuclear missiles? Question mark? Alright, so let's start with this. We have, the U.S. has a lot of nuclear weapons. We have nuclear missiles that go from the air, the land, and the sea. So do the Ruskies. And so do the Russians, absolutely. Why does this matter right now? What's the big deal? Thousands of nuclear weapons on both sides. Yeah, so why would they be working on a new one? That's kind of weird, right? Oh, it's a new one. Is it? I don't know. Do we know what this thing is? Well, here's what we do know. Every reputable Western nuclear expert, from political scientists like us to actual nuclear physicists... I wouldn't call us reputable experts. I oh. mean, we need, to, we need at least a 1,000 subscribers before yeah. we become reputable no, experts. I, I, was, I was attaching us to the political scientists. There's... Yeah, we're, we're there are not, very few reputable political yeah, scientists. No, no, no. We're, we're not on the expert side. <laughs> but the experts that have spoken in the Western press, uh, not on conspiracy sites, have all come to the conclusion that last week a new type of nuclear missile that the Russians have been working on, I'm guessing clandestinely, uh, exploded. And exploded in a way that killed five of their nuclear scientists, injured, I think, uh, more than a dozen non-nuclear scientists. And released some radiation. And released radiation. And best of all is the, this thing's uh, NATO-designated codename, which is Skyfall, which is a middling-to-good James Bond movie from uh, not that long ago, right? It's the third Daniel Craig James Bond movie. Chicken or the Egg, which came first? The movie or the grown-ups at NATO calling this missile Skyfall? Uh, insofar as the movie was probably based on an Ian Fleming book from the Cold War, I'm going to say Ian Fleming. But So a work of fiction then became something that grown-ups responsible for the defense of Western Europe and the United States and various excursionary military expeditions took this title skyfall yeah and we're like hey fuck it it worked for bond let's make this thing called sky hey man nerds are the same everywhere i back it <sighs> i back that play yeah so this thing is apparently a nuclear powered cruise missile stop what is a cruise missile all right so when you're talking about nuclear weapons and i guess missiles more generally there's two types of missiles right okay there is a ballistic missile. What's a ballistic missile? So that is a rocket that will send you to the moon, kind of like Apollo, okay. the moon mission. Um, it's what you'd associate with rocketry, right? Um, and it launches something in a ballistic trajectory, okay. which looks something like a Stephen Curry three-pointer from like 35 feet. Okay. So, so real nice high arc, okay. right? Big arc. Big arc into the atmosphere, splash down into... Well, I mean, if you're the Russians, maybe Chicago. So like it that. shoots, but the missile shoots up in this big high arc and into the upper atmosphere or even space. Yes. 
And it launches with like a, a warhead. Yes, okay. and the the warhead is the actual nuclear weapon that blows up. So okay. the rocket actually separates from the warhead, um, as if Stephen Curry. Yeah. You can picture this. You know, the palm of his hand is kind of like pushing the basketball, and then the so, a- basketball leaves his hand right? so you stra- with a perfect amount of backspin, yeah. and it just. So right you strap a nuclear weapon onto a rocket, and at some and it shoots up at this high arc, and at some point the rocket detaches, yeah, and the, the missile keeps going. Correct. Okay. So it's literally throwing this thing way up high in the air at like a very high angle, yeah. and um, smart people have done a lot of math to make sure that the warhead lands more or less where it's supposed to. Getting close is okay because yeah. we're talking about nuclear missiles. Yeah. So that's Fair a ballistic enough. missile. But this is not what we're talking about. Nope. What happened in the northwest of Russia is a cruise missile. What is a cruise missile, and why does it matter? So a cruise missile is more like an airplane, right? Okay. So it's it's actually um, a much smaller rocket, um, okay. less powerful, but also weighs a lot less. That flies more horizontally. Um, oh. And, uh, important point, it can steer, right? So you may Wait, have heard so of- this this... A cruise missile is kind of like a plane missile that you can direct how it goes, and it flies more or less parallel to the ground. That's right, at lower altitudes. That is fucking terrifying. Tell yeah. Me, tell me more. The Nazis invented it. That's well, all you, you know need what? to know about you, that. You, uh, you have terrified me more. <laughs> yep, yep. As I yep. requested, I regret lodging that request. Well, that's what happens. You get what you want when you request something. So... The Russians have been working on a new kind of cruise missile, which is a nuclear missile that flies parallel to the ground and can be guided. Yeah, correct. But, so, but this fucker blew up. This fucker blew up, and it spread radiation, which is weird, right? Because cruise missiles are normally not radioactive in their power sources. They're usually liquid or solid-fueled. Most missiles are, wait, right? Wait, so... Why? Okay, so then, how did this thing spread? Radiation. Yeah. Well, it seems as though um, this is a nuclear-powered cruise missile, so it's powered by a reactor itself, and it carries a nuclear warhead. Holy shit! They put a reactor inside of a missile, so it's like a, can then it's drive. like a double nuclear missile, man. It's like double your pleasure, double your fun, double your radioactive accidents. So this is a nuclear reactor that is the engine on a missile that is more like a nuclear suicide bombing plane that you can drive to whatever target you'd like. That is uh, an excellent summary, yeah. And it blew up in Russia. Okay, now I'm scared. Yeah, uh, don't be scared. It's really far away. It's fine. Okay, so uh, this thing sounds very terrifying. Uh, is it... This is a new kind of missile? Do we have one of those? (laughs) I'm glad you asked. So, um, the Skyfall weapon system, like, the United States has actually had this idea before. In fact, it had this idea 50 years ago. Okay. In the 1960s, um, when we were right in the middle of the Cold War and building literally thousands of missiles. Um, way, more along, than, uh, way more than were needed. Yeah, uh, to be shot from silos uh, in places like South Dakota, to be shot out of submarines uh, okay. at the bottom of the ocean, and um, not just missiles, also bombs to be dropped from strategic bombers like the B-52. Um, 
So our uh, Brainiacs um, thought of all different types of possibilities for basically nuking Russia, okay. Soviet Union at that time. So 67 and years ago, we tried to give this a shot. What happened? What happened was um, we took a look at this and we're like, why would anybody try to do this? This doesn't make any sense. Uh, and the reason why it doesn't make any sense is... Number one, we have all this other stuff that already works just fine and is way simpler. We don't need to put a hat on a hat, right? Okay. We also don't need to put a nuclear warhead on a nuclear engine, right? Got That's it. overkill. Furthermore, so, we can't get it to work anyway. We can't miniaturize a nuclear reactor and make it light enough to actually propel a cruise weapon, right? Okay, so in all of the many ways that weapons have advanced in the last hundred years terrifying ways one of the ways they have not advanced in a way that we know of is putting a nuclear engine in a nuclear missile that can then uh, be delivered with any kind of accuracy yeah and what's more is what you're telling me is as far back as 50 60 70 years ago American nuclear scientists gave this a run and were like, this is uh, frivolous. Yeah, never made it off the drawing board. So what were the Russians doing screwing around with it is probably your next question. Yeah. Uh, why why, why we, is this a thing? Yeah, why is this a thing? I mean, that's a really good question. Especially because, uh, okay, there hasn't been a nuclear weapon used in any aggressive way since the 1940s. That's right. This is probably a good time to do a quick recap of like where we're at and where we've been in terms of nuclear weapons vis-a-vis -vis the United States and Russia slash the Soviet Union. Right. So in the in the end of the Cold War, in the end of the world, in end of World War II, the U.S. drops two bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. This helps bring about the end of World War II. In 1949, the Soviets. They then uh, test nu their first nuclear weapons over Kazakhstan over the succeeding several decades. Hydrogen bombs. Yeah. Sputnik. Minuteman missiles. Sputnik. Sputnik. Yeah. Right. We have both the explosion. Shouldn't use that word. We both have both countries start building up their, their nuclear armaments. And at the same time, beginning in the 50s, there's diplomacy between both countries about limiting the kinds of limiting nuclear weapon usage and towards the later parts of the Cold War, especially into the 80s. And then after the Cold War, there's several treaties signed between the two countries saying we're not going to use certain nuclear weapons at certain times. And we're not going to test any of them ever. Right. <laughs> yes. And there's, as nuclear weapons have proliferated, countries during the Cold War, France, China, England, uh, they all get nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. After the Cold War, North Korea, Pakistan, India have nuclear weapons. But even as the nuclear club, as political scientists call it, as the nuclear club has expanded, there's this weird norm that has emerged, which is, I guess it's got a couple parts to it. First part is, we're all going to get nuclear weapons to ensure our own defense. So we're going to have these massively catastrophic weapons at our disposal not to dispose of them, right? Mm -hmm. The only time that 
countries, nuclear countries are going to use their weapons are in response to being attacked with nuclear weapons. Right. Yes. Chicken and egg, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, what this boils down to is a doctrine of what's called mutual assured destruction, right? Mad. No, yeah. Yes, mad. It's a mad, mad world. And the idea is everybody has so many of these things that to try to launch on anybody would result in your own destruction. So you'd never want to do it, so it will never happen. This is called stable deterrence, right, on both sides, the Russian side and the United States. Um, both have enough warheads where there's just no way that we would be able to conduct a successful first strike or a disarming strike um, by launching first and taking out the other player's arsenal. We wouldn't be able to get all of those missiles. A few of them would get through that first strike, survive the first strike, and basically survive to retaliate against the other country's cities, raising the costs unacceptably high. So there's no geopolitical objective that could ever be worth losing, for instance, Los Angeles, Chicago, or New York. It just doesn't make any sense, right? That's so, what's called stable deterrence. Okay, so countries that have nuclear weapons have them in order to ensure their survival, not to destroy another country. Correct. And this holds true, in theory, even for countries like, say, North Korea, which is sure run enough. by a you know, putatively crazy, absolute dictator. Fantastically quaffed young man. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got amazing style and grace. Um, we're, ca we're talking, of course, about uh, the uh, great leader, Kim Jong-un. Can I tell you, if I had a friend that started dressing like that guy or a haircut like that guy, I know that it's a lot of, like, symbolic politics. Like, oh, hey, I'm going to look like my father and my grandfather. But he went to prep school in Switzerland like, there's got to be a part of him that's, like, dies every morning when he looks in the mirror and is like, ugh, I got to do this for my job. Like, I, gotta, <laughs> I have to rock this aesthetic. By all accounts, <laughs> big basketball fan. Yeah, huge basketball fan. Kicks it with the uh, ever-aware Dennis Rodman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, it, I mean, weird fucking guy, but perhaps the weirdest part is it's a bit like being, he's like kind of like Chuck E. Cheese in the sense that he's got to put on this dog shit outfit <laughs> every day as part of his job. Well, when you're a living God, you know, it turns out you don't actually get to make all the rules. You have to do certain things a certain way. <laughs> you got to look like your grandfather's statue at all times. It's really weird. Uh, so he's kind of a bird in a gilded that, cage. That's a, that's a hot take on why <laughs> small trade-off. Yeah. A shitty outfit, bad haircut. Small trade-off to be God. Gilded cage slash pleasure dome. Right. Um, anyway, all yeah. of this to say, why does this matter to Russia? It matters to Russia because small sort of powers like North Korea and potentially Iran have gone ahead and gotten their own nuclear weapons. Iran does not have them yet, but could conceivably soon. Um, right. North Korea does have nuclear weapons, and it seems like the missiles to use them against American cities as well. Yeah. Why is this significant? Uh, I will tell you. <laughs> no, no I'll, I'll take this one. The significance of this thing is we are now in an age where there is nuclear proliferation and what we're talking about with not using nuclear weapons, it's a norm. It's not a law. There's no real... Uh, there's there's no, no, no real harm that will come 
except for losing your whole country. And yet, countries keep wanting to acquire them to be to ensure yeah. their own survival. The crux of the matter is: Do we trust Kim Jong Un to basically play ball with mutual assured destruction and never use these weapons that he's got? Well, that all depends on whether or not you think he's crazy. Right. Um, if you think he's crazy, then you don't trust him, and you start thinking about missile defenses. But the thing with this Russian case is. Nobody thinks Putin's crazy. No. Everybody thinks Putin is wily. And this leads us to the big question of how the fuck did we get from, hey, nobody's going to use nuclear weapons. It's a really bad idea. It leads to massive death, societal destruction. Countries will be crippled if not erased. Let's not do this. To, hey, in this little corner of this massive geographic, geographically massive country, Close to the European border with Finland, why are we trying to build this new kind of flying plane missile? What is the point? What is this thing about? Well, so it actually all ties back to uh, what we were talking about just a little while ago with these quote-unquote uh, rogue nuclear countries, right? Such as North Korea and potentially Iran, right? The two remaining members of the quote-unquote axis of evil. Um, one of which legitimately does have nuclear weapons that it can launch at us, right? Um, in the 90s and then increasingly in the 2000s, so Clinton administration and then uh, Bush 43, or W, yeah. as he's colloquially referred to, uh, you know, they started to have questions about whether or not the North Koreans could be deterred, right? Whether they would act rationally and basically play ball with uh, the idea of mutual assured destruction or whether they would go out in a blaze of glory because they're just crazy. They do a lot of crazy stuff. They act crazy. We can't trust them, right? So, right, so we need to be... get us to Russia, though? Well, it's kind of roundabout, but stick with me. Okay. Um, if you can't trust but, uh, somebody to play ball with the idea of mutual assured destruction, um, you need to be able to defend against them, Right. These guys might just launch. Maybe uh, Kim Jong-un has a bad day. A bad hair day, let's say. And like he's unable to get his hair uh, in, into its usual glorious state. And he's just really mad and in a fit of pique launches, oh, I don't know, 15 nuclear missiles at the West Coast. Um, so North Korea dies, and he dies, but the damage is done, right? There's nothing we can do once those missiles are launched. Or is there? There is if we have missile defense, right? Okay, so, but we're the U.S. We have missile defense systems, don't we? We sure do, and we've been working on it for a long time. Okay. The idea is basically, um, I think the simplest way to put it is to shoot a bullet out of the air with another bullet. This sounds incredibly easy and not at all like it would have any problems. Yeah, so the best systems we have work about half the time. <laughs> But, you know, if you are able to catch half the nuclear missiles launched at you, that's still better than none of the nu nuclear missiles launched at you. You know, that probably saves several million lives. So it's probably worth doing, right? Um, so we have these defenses, right? And we have them along the west coast of the United States, North Korea. And very importantly, we also now have put them in Eastern Europe in places like Poland and the Czech Republic, which are on Russia's borders. 
And the idea being, well, we don't like the Iranians either, and we don't trust them. We think they're crazy religious fanatics. So if they were to launch uh, nuclear missiles at some point at Western Europe or the United States, they would have to fly over these countries. So we'd want a chance to basically shoot those missiles out of the All sky. Right, so let me get this straight. So last week, missile explosion in northwestern Russia. Bad thing, but raise this question. Why are they working on this thing? Why are they working on this new class of weapons? And I think what you're saying is this Skyfall is designed to avoid these American missile defenses. Got it in one. <sighs> okay, so this goes back to our question. If everybody's more or less settled to this point of like, hey, nuclear weapons are super bad, let's not do this, and the costs outweigh any benefits, why are they trying then to do this? Why do they want to evade American missile defenses? Do they think that we, the United States, are trying to blow them up? So I think from the Russian perspective, what they want to do is reestablish a state of stable deterrence, right? Again, from the Russian perspective, um, if you do not trust the United States, and they don't, because we've been doing things like expanding NATO to their border and uh, taking Ukraine into, you know, not into NATO, but potentially joining the European Union, stuff like that, right on their doorstep, right? This would kind of be like uh, inviting Mexico and Canada into a, uh, not necessarily a hostile military alliance, but in uh, for what was formerly a hostile military alliance. Or like Cuba the in the 1960s. Right. We didn't react very well to that no. at all. Um, we block, blockaded Cuba, Cuba right? Um, yeah. this, this is kind of a similar situation to that. So basically, if, if you're Russian and you don't trust the United States to not launch first, um, and um, you have had economic troubles recently, and you're not super confident um, that all of your missiles will, are actually in good repair and will launch when called upon, uh, there is a chance that you think the United States might be able to conduct a successful first strike on your arsenal uh, okay, with a so, giant launch. All right, this is starting to hurt my brain for the following reasons. Okay, Russia. The once Russia, back when it's the Soviet Union, it is glorious in the sense that it is one of the two most powerful countries in the world. It is a superpower. However, as we know, after the end of the Cold War, they were in economic disrepair for quite some time. It was pretty bad, yeah. And their forays in the 90s into trying to be a Western democracy with free markets ended poorly, and this is how we get Putin. This is how we get a state with lots of corruption uh -huh. that is more or less a Petro state, a state that, whose economy runs off of its natural resources selling energy. That's right. right. And when the oil prices were high, as in the first decade of the 21st century, this worked out just fine. And Russians were pretty happy, and their living standards were much better, and uh, things were going pretty good for Putin. But what happens to oil prices in the Russian economy? <laughs> well, uh, in the subsequent decade, the 2010s, basically we have the fracking revolution in the United States, which basically drops the price of oil out from under uh, Russian producers, and OPEC for that matter. Putin needs... See the case of Venezuela. Yes, right. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a podcast for another time. Sure is. Uh, 
Anyway, Putin needs oil prices to be around $70 a barrel to be able to bribe various oligarchs and pay off his populace with things like pensions and, and stuff like that. It's been at $50 or even less uh, for the last five years. So basically, he's had a lot of domestic political troubles. Um, and on top of that, the Russian military has not been getting the budget it once had. Um, so a lot of its strategic missile forces are in disrepair. Okay, so the Russian economy is not great. No. Okay. The Russian economic outlook, similarly not great. No. The population is not thriving as no. it would like. No. Particularly relative to European neighbors. Mm -mm. Uh, in the meantime, there are points of contention with the U.S., over the 2014 annexation uh, of eastern Ukraine, mm -hmm. Russia did this. The 2008-2009 annexation of certain parts of uh, American al allied Georgia. Mm -hmm. There is Russian support of Syria, the Syrian regime under Bashar al-Assad, mm -hmm. in which we have gone in under President Trump and killed Russian special forces there. Mm -hmm. And we have not yet even gotten to the part where Russia interfered in the American election. Correct. Right. So, Russia, not in a great place. Why, Steve, why are they devoting resources to building a new kind of plane missile that might evade American defenses? Why are they worried about Poland or Czechoslovakia, or sorry, the Czech Republic, or even west coast of the U.S. defense systems when they have just a laundry list of really much more pressing shitty fucking things happening at home to say nothing of the most pressing shitty thing, which is over the weekend, after the missile explode, an estimated 60,000 people hit the streets of Moscow to protest the government's move to ban opposition politicians from the upcoming Russian election. And during that time, while these protests were going on, was Putin in Moscow? Was he in the Northwest dealing with this missile explosion? No. He was kicking it with a biker gang in Ukraine. Hmm. So why are they building these missiles when there's all this other super terrible shit happening? Attempting to build these. Why are they why are they failing to build <laughs> yeah. why are they failing to build these missiles? And we should also say this thing failed in such a spectacular fashion, it killed five of their nuclear scientists. Uh-huh. The guys, the only guys who probably knew how it even worked, right? Right. So killed at least a dozen uh, Russian citizens. Yeah. They first lied and said there wasn't an explosion. Then there was an explosion. Then it was a nuclear explosion. Then there wasn't. And frankly, I can't follow the bouncing ball in this. I don't know where we are. The Washington Post has said this was the title on a story from today: Russian villagers told to leave, no stay, following missile test explosion. Mm-hmm. I don't, I just, okay. At least in theory, nuclear weapons... You sound and, sorely vexed. I am, and, I, and I'll tell you why. Nuclear weapons are not like, oh shit, we have to deal with this pressing emergency immediately. They're something that takes a lot of time and resources and planning to come about. So, the, a lot of the problems that we've talked about, whether it was the oil economy or pension problems... We're just having a generally shit go of things as Russia generally is. 
why? Why, dear God, are they putting time, money, resources into building this new super weapon, which would then not be used if they are, in fact, still adhering to the new, the norm of not using nuclear right. weapons? So, in a weird way, I think you've actually answered your own question. And it's possible. The, I talked a lot. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the answer is that this disaster is a manifestation of weakness, not strength. And what I mean by that um, is basically the way to do this right um, is actually very expensive. It is to properly maintain your nuclear weapons plant, right? It is to make sure that all your missiles actually work. Um, it is to test your missiles, which the United States is now doing again. Um, it is to make sure that your uh, nuclear missile submarines stay off the bottom of the Black Sea, right? Um, one of the first major disasters of the Putin presidency involved 155 sailors dying oh, in, the, right. in the Kursk uh, submarine, which yeah. was one of their, you know, handful of like operational nuclear missile submarines, right? Uh, that thing's at the bottom of the Black Sea now, dude. They don't have it anymore, right? Um, they don't have the money to do it right. So instead, what Putin has going is basically a bunch of skunkworks stuff uh, using discarded crackpot ideas um, from decades ago where it's like, all right, I'm going to give these guys a certain amount of budget, which in the scheme of things isn't actually that much, and hope that they can come up with something that actually works, right? He never expected the thing to blow up and cause a PR disaster. Okay. Right? The idea is you just have this kind of running in the background and hope something comes out of it, right? Because you don't have the money to do it right. Yes, but again, this idea of, hey man, every country has a limited amount of time and resources, mm -hmm. right? To get something done. Why this fucking thing? This doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense in the short term. We don't want to attack Russia. We just want them to stop fucking with our shit and propping up dictators. I'll say it again. They don't trust us, right? And they're not going to unilaterally so, disarm. Okay, so your ex your uh, explanation for all these things are Russian paranoia is real. Yes, and so is American paranoia and like every other great power, right? Chinese, the British, right? They haven't unilaterally disarmed. Their stuff doesn't work very well, for sure, right? There, there have been countries that have unilaterally disarmed, but none of no country that has achieved basically um, a real nuclear force on its own has voluntarily relinqu relinquished its nuclear weapons. Um, during the collapse of the Soviet Union, countries like Ukraine and Kazakhstan had Russia, Soviet missiles stationed on their territory, but they negotiated with Russia and the United States to return those missiles, to repatriate some, them. There was some deal with South Africa, I forget. South that. Africa, uh, the apartheid regime developed, I think, four nuclear bombs. Okay. So they didn't even, like, and I'm not even sure they ever even tested them. Um, so they did not have a stable deterrent. Huh. Right? Also, who's going to come after South Africa? Well, they, I think they were worried about basically the national, the African National Congress and uh, that sort of thing. So is there ace in the hole? But they were going to nuke the 
black folks in all right we yes. need to not go down this route no that's a, uh, that's another podcast <laughs> um but yeah all of this to say it's like the desire to maintain a stable nuclear deterrent is understandable the specific tactics um adopted to do it are even understandable given the circumstances right but the risks that were run here i think were much higher than and, putin ever thought they were and the comedy of errors in handling the aftermath the part yeah that's where, that's a real disaster the part the part where they denied it accepted it denied it walked it back accepted it halfway and meanwhile the residents are stocking up on iodine which i guess they just know this might be something that's a known thing to curb radiation i don't even <sighs> look you read the news each day and you're like oh shit things are going bad what is going on oh god this is this could be terrible but you look at a little bit more context you're like who are these fumbling fucking morons? <laughs> to be fair i don't necessarily think uh our current government would do any better under the similar circumstances no but i get the i m the best of my understanding is while our nuclear infrastructure is not as good as it could be it certainly isn't we've had uh nuclear weapons basically vanish from inventory and fly ac across the country uh when they were not even supposed to have left storage uh, within the last, I want to say, five or six years. This was during the Obama administration, what? which is generally regarded as a competent administration. There's some suggestion that our strategic missile forces uh, are, to put it mildly, um, undermanned and undertrained. Um, we are just now starting to test the actual launch vehicles after a moratorium of, I think, years or decades, right? So um, the decline is actually evident on both sides. Um, but the difference is that we still have money, and they don't. Okay, so what, what comes next? Is it, what comes next for Putin? <laughs> I, I'm not, I mean, seriously. I don't know, man. <laughs> because now uh, this paranoid... I'd say, I think, measured, I could say this. He's got a good good image of himself. He thinks pretty well of himself. He looks what good is, with a shirt off. What is a guy who, in his 60s, looks good with the shirt off and loves to rip that thing off? What does he do next? What's the next move? Well, so the next move for him is to figure out how to make some sort of semi-graceful transition um, out of the Russian presidency or premiership or prime ministership or whatever the fuck he is in 2024 right um there is domestic unrest he is constitutionally barred from running for president again that won't stop him from necessarily holding power but it is a like kind of a bone of contention um there is discontent in russia uh there are serious opposition forces right and he's got to figure out a way to basically transfer power um either to himself or more likely to one of his cronies um, without losing the thread, right? This doesn't help. This kind of thing doesn't help. Makes him look like an asshole. So you're telling me this is not necessarily a house of cards, but... I think it raises the stakes for him. 
right? Because he he's this guy who projects an aura of competence, sure. Whether or not he is actually competent, um, you know, and he has done a lot of genuinely popular things, but he's kind of running out of cards to play, right? And this is not just not a card to play. This is like a discard, right? This is like you're playing Uno and somebody hits you with a fucking discard. Okay. Has that ever happened to you? You've played Uno. Yeah, no, I, I got the metaphor. It's yeah. just all, this is just all troubling because the other part of this is at various points of tough times for the USSR and Russia, there have been moments of, well, the United States should try and extend some sort of olive branch, even if unofficially and diplomatically. Right? Mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't get the sense that that is going to happen. Sure doesn't look like it. I mean, by all accounts, um, the current president and Putin enjoy a uh, warm and productive personal relationship. But at the level of actual governance, um, Russia and the United States are very much at loggerheads. Um, and I can only imagine that the next administration, whether Republican or, God willing, Democratic, um, will only continue that and intensify that trend. So it's all bad for uh, President Putin over there uh, this week, I would but say. The next steps for us are to can you continue to watch and see what happens with these Russian protesters? Because if Putin is as cornered as he say he is, boy, that sounds like a hardy target. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I shouldn't say he doesn't have any more cards to play. He certainly does. And it's not clear to me that uh, the protests are going to result in his removal from power or revolution or anything like that but like yeah like we're out of the green and into the yellow um on on putin's russia at this point Oof. well on that depressing note yeah i think we stop it there huh yeah let's do it awesome man all right we'll see you next week see you next week